Beautiful, Micah, beautiful. Oh, how he loves you and me. Welcome to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, where we are worshiping Jesus Christ, living out God's love, and transforming community by his spirit. I have a couple announcements. One of them is congregational meeting in a couple weeks, um, the 23rd of October. That's also Stewardship Sunday, and so it just means we'll meet directly after the service, and the purpose of that meeting is to nominate and vote on new elders and deacons. Um, This Friday, we're actually, we're doing a new members class. We had a couple people hanging around that said, hey, I want to be a new member, And we're making a new members class. And if you've been hanging out here for a while and want to become a member, give me give me a jingle, and we'll talk. uh, We'll talk after the service. Um, Anything else? I think there's more in this in this order of worship. For now, let's stand and receive this morning's call to worship. And it comes from Psalm 66 out of the Passion Translation. Everyone everywhere, lift up your joyful shout to God. Sing your songs tuned to his glory. Tell the world how wonderful he is. For he's the awe-inspiring God, great and glorious in power. We've never seen anything like him. Mighty in miracles, God, you cause your enemies to tremble. No wonder they all surrender and bow before you. All the earth will bow down to worship, and all the earth will sing your glories forever and ever. Let's join in that singing and worship our risen Jesus.
students are cleaning up the beach, but if any students are here, come on up, and children, come on up. And our two kids are maybe a little shy, so we can just... uh, Okay. does not remember when I did something with the seashells. The seashell, okay, the seashell is just a shell. The living stuff is inside of it. So I'm going to ask you, do you know what this is? What is it? An envelope. Is it special at all? Yeah. Well, it's nothing special until something's inside of it. Okay. So I have handed out to willing and unwilling participants this morning a balloon. So if you're less than 100 and over 4, blow up your balloon right now, would you please? Kids, blow up your balloon. It's a 12-inch balloon. If you go 14, we're going to hear a boom. Okay, so what's the significance of a balloon? Here it is. Now, for you guys, you youngers here, and for you olders there, who used to be youngers, you know, I didn't really start studying biblical stuff until I was in my 40s because I was kind of hacked off at what I had to go through as a child. You lost your balloon? I've got three extras for you when it's over. So this balloon, in Genesis 2, I think it's... uh, Chapter 2, verse 7, it says that God blew breath into human beings. That's when we became human beings. So this balloon is not a balloon until you, just like God Almighty, blew your breath into it. And they can now, now everybody make a noise with your balloon. Come on. Does that sound like your neighbor or your kids or the dog when you don't want to get out of bed? I love it. So here's what happens. That if I have friends I've met who have been involved in warfare or motorcycle accidents or things that have lost a part of their body. But does it make them any less? Can you hop? Oh, no, that's enough. That's going to blow up. It's going to boom. Can you hop? Can you hop? Come here. Come on, get up. Yeah, it's your other 15 seconds of fame. Come on, let's go. You're going to on one leg, can you hop to that pew and hop back? Hop to the pew and hop back. Oh, someone had ballerina training. Okay, hop to the pew and hop back. And you got to hop back. Well, great work. Well, now we know what you need to learn between that age and this age is how to hop, okay? 
If, in fact, someone were to take a part of your body away, I, I had breakfast with some guys. They had lost fingers. I go, how the heck did you lose your fingers? Well, I did this. Do you feel it? No. I looked down and says, where'd that thing go? You know, you're not less of a person. It doesn't make you less. The body, the body that you were given, the body that you were given, you were given, you were given, you, everybody here was given, is an envelope. And God blew into our nostrils and gave us life. And when this envelope is used up, this is just an envelope, but what's inside belongs to God. So remember that when you're having a difficult time or your foot doesn't feel right or you're thinking, I look in the mirror and go, good Lord, what happened? You know, I know none of you say that. They asked me when I joined the church, when I had color in my hair, okay? So we are the recipients of what's blown inside of us. We are the life inside of the seashell. Without that life, without that breath, this is all we are. This is all that when something happens, this is all that goes bye-bye and goes back into the earth. And that's it. So it says in the Bible, it says that, yeah, make a noise. I did that in class one time. I wasn't happy. So, and that's it. So that's just what you know is that we are merely a vessel. We are merely an envelope that means nothing until something is put inside of it. And in Genesis 2, 7, it says that God blew breath of life into each and every one of you and knew you before you were born. Let's pray. Dear Lord God in heaven, thank you for a risen Lord. Thank you for this envelope that we inhabit. And you don't make any mistakes. Just like puzzle pieces, they're all different sizes and shapes and have different functions. But every single one of them is important and special to you, which should make it special to us. Thank you for the wonderful mothers and fathers and aunts and grandfathers and grandmothers and neighbors that have brought these children that bring their children, that bring themselves to celebrate the gift of life and salvation that we in this seashell talk about Sundays and whenever we're here. In your precious name I pray, amen.
Psalm 32 tells us, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. With that thought in mind, let us now go to our prayer of confession. O Lord our God, You call us to proclaim the gospel, but we remain silent in the presence of evil. You call us to be reconciled to you and one another, but we are content to live in separation. You call us to seek the good of all, but we fail to resist the powers of oppression. You call us to fight pretensions and injustice, but we sit idly by, endangering the lives of people far and near. Forgive us, O Lord. Reconcile us to you by the power of your Spirit, and give us the courage and strength to be reconciled to others through Jesus Christ your Son, our Savior. Amen. Know that God hears our prayers and will have mercy on all who humbly repent of their sin. Lay aside your burden then and take courage from the gospel. 
in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen.
great that word. There it is. Wow. It's so good to have you, the choir back, right? And thank you. Yeah, round of applause. That's wonderful. Uh, also, thanks, Tim, uh, for covering, for Danny being on vacation and getting a much-needed rest and the whole worship band. Um, yeah, round of applause for that, too. Praising God. We start a new series today. That's exciting. Want a round of applause? No. We can, we can end the clap. Uh, new series. And our new series is on our new vision page that just came out. Um, and it's still in process. So if you have any graphic design buddies, give me their contact info because we've got to make it look snazzy. But we're rolling it out even though it's not even completed. It's still, we're, we're building as we fly. Right? Yes or no? I think so. And I likened September 27th, which is when the session came to the completion of this, this, this vision page, to much like my call into ministry. I figured out kind of what I wanted to do, but not really. And then huge grace moment, and I knew it. I was built to be a grace dispenser. That's how my call into ministry happened. That's how it first started. And then a guy so noticed that I was kind of squirrely and rounded me in and started discipling me. And so I, I think you're supposed to be a pastor. And he started pouring me that kind of jazz. I came home from session on Tuesday the 27th, and I barely slept because I feel like we've been longing for what we're, who, we are, who are we? What are we doing? There's bunches of churches in this town, right? What makes us specifically different? And we answered all those questions as a session, and we prayed about it, and we had arguments about it, biblical, you know, God, godly stuff. We know no, throw, no fights. Uh, but we landed. And who are we? Who are we, Presbyterian Church of the covenant we're worshiping Jesus Christ we're living out God's love we're transforming community by the Holy Spirit that's who we are the church's mission Presbyterian church that's our mission and we, it all starts with worshiping Jesus Christ right and as I was picking up the text that could equip us in who we are, and there were, no, there were a couple of ones. There were a couple of options. Uh, there were a couple of ways I could have went. The first one was the stars declare that Jesus is Son of God. Remember the wise men? They show up and worship a toddler. There's the picture we're studying in our daytimers Bible study on Wednesday in Revelation, the Revelation of John. And that's the powerful Jesus. That's, that's the second coming Jesus where he's the only lamb that can open the seal. John first sees him. John, his best friend when he was on earth. John first sees him in Revelation and he hits the ground, says, like a dead man. I didn't go that way because I didn't want to scare anybody. (laughs) 
And I didn't want to come out yelly Jason. You know that yelly Jason that comes down? Nobody met me? Okay, forget about it. I'll, I'll have a conversation with Jesus. Hold on. I landed on this one. It was, it's in Matthew chapter 14. And I'm, we're going to start reading in verse 22 and then in verse 33. But the reason I landed on this one, it's one of the first. It's one of the first times that Jesus is worshipped like he's supposed to be the whole time he's on earth. And it's one of the first, and it's by the disciples. There's a guy named Dale Bruner who wrote a, the, a commentary on the Gospel of Matthew. And he breaks up the Gospel of Matthew into two books. The first 13 chapters are the Christ book. The second, starting in verse 14, which is the chapter we're reading, he calls the church book. This is where we get our Christology. This is where we get us, that spirit-filled balloon people group. Our idea of who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus Christ that we're worshiping? And it forms us about him and why we should worship him. Let's open the, the scriptures up. Matthew chapter 14. Start in verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart. I am. Do not be afraid. Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, Why did you doubt? And those in the boat worshipped him. And those in the boat worshipped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, use me as a vessel to say your words. 
And all God's people said, and by the way, this is the word of the Lord. I saw a couple of you twitching. (laughs) First, Jesus immediately goes off. And that's just a lesson. That's a lesson for you and I. That's just a freebie. Why does the Son of God go off and pray alone by the mountain, on the mountain? To be by himself. But not to be lonely. It's for solitude. The difference between loneliness and solitude is infinite. Because loneliness is being alone. Solitude is never being alone. And realizing the great truth that God is always with you. And that you can connect with him anywhere, anytime. I learned that huge lesson in Muskegon, Michigan. Um, but that's a whole nother sermon. Keep cruising. They're out in the boat. A bunch of fishermen. P.S. A bunch of them are fishermen. They see these storms rising. They, there's no new thing. But they're kind of freaked out a little bit. Here comes Jesus on the water, walking on the water. They're terrified. Jesus cares that they're scared. Because it says immediately, oh, hello. (laughs) Immediately, Jesus spoke and he said, in the Greek, it's I am. Ego emi. Does anybody remember anything special about that? I am. That's right. We just studied it in Moses, right? Remember the burning bush? Who should I say sent me? Tell him I am sent you. Pointing back to Aristotle's idea of the unmoved mover. I am. Jesus, everybody, there's always a question mark. Did Jesus ever claim to be God? Everybody say absolutely on three. One, two, three. That's the I am statements in John. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Ego a me. Ego a me. Ego a me. Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. Jesus was God wrapped in flesh. He knew it. He said it. Calm down. I got, and remember a couple chapters ago, he calmed the ocean. Do you remember that? There was a, there, he calmed the sea. He didn't calm the ocean, but he calmed the sea just a couple chapters ago. He did so by just speaking. Stop. I wish I had that power, right? <laughs> no traffic. <laughs> but I'm not God. He is. Jesus says, I am. Do not be afraid. I control the seas. I keep this whole thing rotating at the right speed. And then we get we get Peter. Representing us. I, I want to read uh, N.T. Wright. Puts a little 
puts a question before, like puts an idea I would love to just pass on to us as we talk about this today. Let's think of this passage first as a picture of our world. We are like the disciples in the boat. They had seen so much of Jesus' power. Have you seen Jesus' power? Me too. They heard his teaching and prayed his prayer. But now they were stuck. Professional fishermen, they were struggling with the oars, unable to make headway against the wind. We too in our world have discovered so much, learned so much, invented so much, and yet are still without power to do many of the things that really matter. We've invented wonderful machines for making war, but nobody yet has found one that will make peace. We can put a man on the moon, but we can't put food into hungry stomachs. We can listen to the songs the whales sing on the ocean floor, but we can't hear the crying of human souls in the next street. So put us there in the boat. Who is this worship? Who is this Jesus Christ we worship? And you see two things in this text. Two Christological anchors. You see power. You see power. And later we get the Holy Spirit. The same power that raises Jesus from the dead. But in this text, Peter, amongst the disciples, stands up and he says, Hey, I want to do something about it. I want to walk on water. In N.T.'s right illustration, I want to put food in hungry people's stomachs. I want to listen to the cry of the needy. I want to invent that machine. I want to be that machine that brings peace into this world. Power. He steps up and he goes, hey, let's do this. Steps on the... Imagine that, right? He steps on water. Boom, right? I, I, like, every surfer in here is like, yes. <laughs> Who needs a board? You know? Anyway, I saw, do you remember that Christian t-shirt back in the 80s? Who needs a board? I've got Jesus or something like that. Anyway, that's a dumb shirt. He, 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 he rests on that power of Jesus Christ. And it, I love Peter. He just jumps in. May we all be like Peter in that moment putting faith into action. What an illustration, right? What a walking out straight into the storm to the Messiah. And he's spirit-filled, and he's got Jesus, he's worshiping, and he's walking on water. Then what happens? He drops his eyes. He steps out here and he says, 
wait a second. This place sucks. <laughs> this is crazy. This is a storm I did not envision. This is way more pain. This is way more. I wouldn't have signed up for this. What does Jesus do? Immediately. Look at that. Immediately is in this text. Immediately, he says, go get out in the water. Immediately, he says, I am. And right when Peter starts to drop, immediately he reaches out his hand. That's the second thing. Peter, what does he say? Rescue me. Pull me out. I remember when I was, uh, <laughs> I just touched Zeke to bite. bite. Uh, we were living over in, um, we were living over in College Park. And you me- who, who remembers the name of the place we were in? Irene Wells. We were renting Irene Wells' place. This is way before I even thought I'd ever be a pastor. This is back in 2008. I don't know. Malia has no idea either. <laughs> we're renting and we're cruising down College Park. We're actually right in front of Sandy Hughes' house. This is where this story happened. Zeke has just learned to ride a bike, and he's just figuring out that he can like do kind of tricks. And he's going a little too fast. I look back, and he cuts the wheel just a little too tight. And he goes, Whoosh. you know, like, have you ever done that? Like you turned it, and then all of a sudden, whoop, it's sideways. And he goes, Whoosh. and he's got a helmet on, and he's got all that stuff. But he he skips on the ground, you know, like, you know, he's actually kind of a cool sight. But then this is a dad, you know, looking back now. But I remember him, he, he stood up and he goes, ambulance now. He it was screaming, you know, I think Peter's like that. Rescue me now. I'm going down. The end of that story Wrapped him. He's my son. I love that kid. I actually ended up biking with him and his bike, and it was kind of dangerous. But we biked back home. Jesus, very similar, reaches out and grabs Peter. One commentator says this: "To the believing one, Jesus gives a share in his power." To the doubting and slacking one. He stretches out his helping hand. To those of us that in this room that are high on that plateau, now is a season where we're going to be worshiping Jesus Christ and he's going to demonstrate his power. For those of us that showed up this morning and the world's just a little too crazy, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus cares about you. And he wants to reach out his healing hand and pardon you. Forgive you. Rescue you. And then they worship. 
And this is the first time that, that the 12 are getting it. Bruner writes this, The mystery of Jesus' person is beginning to percolate down. And before long, his disciples will find Jesus' ultimate. Jesus is ultimate and messianic. Together they say, you are the son of God. The twin benefits of worshiping Jesus Christ. Everyone in here is forgiven. You, you proclaim Jesus as your Lord. You ask for him to rescue you. You are forgiven. And every single one of us in here has power. Has power to walk into this storm. Has power to be that listening ear to a hurting world. We are both empowered and saved. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, precious Lord Jesus, powerful spirit, I thank you for your son, Jesus the Christ, whom we worship in spirit and in truth this morning. I pray that as we are worshiping you, Jesus Christ, we would begin to worship you and you alone, Jesus Christ. Rescue us. In the stillness of this moment, meet each individual in here, especially the ones that need rescuing and saved. Empower us. Make us into this beacon that not only is light, but is light on the move, worshiping you. And all God's children said, let's stand and worship. Please be seated. As we continue in worship, we're going to hear from our very own Marsha Millar. I asked uh, you congregants, and we still have an opening next week, if you want to share what God has taught you lately about tithing or giving to the church, 
approach me after the service, and we'll see, see, see what happens. But I approached Marsha either last week or the week before, and she said, I'd love to, but I'd love to see, tell it from the other side. Um, and I'll let you explain that. For those who don't know, most of you do, but those who don't, um, I'm, sorry, I'm with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and um, PCC has supported me for the plus 35 years, the last 35 years, and um, I have been totally blessed. But it hasn't, you've, you've supported me financially, you've supported me spiritually, and you, you supported me um, prayerfully. And most of my years were in Africa, in Tanzania and Kenya. So you here at PCC made it possible for me to support Bible translation on the front lines. But you weren't only a partner in helping people receive God's word in their own language. That was a big part of it, but it wasn't the only part. Your giving helped me to be God's hands and feet in Tanzania. There were times, there's a time in the year in Tanzania where people call it the hunger months. It's when the, the harvest has, is not yet ready to be harvested and the food is gone and it's hunger. And during that time, people would constantly come to my gate begging for food. You gave to me and I gave to them. We were partners in the giving. Another example how God used you um, was when a friend of mine was hit by a car and was paralyzed. I soon very quickly realized that he wasn't getting the care he needed, and I took him to a distant missionary clinic hospital. And while we were there, that same day, those same hours, a British lady walked in and said, my husband is working for the Anglican Church, and I'm a physical therapist. She said, I want to volunteer. Will you let me? That was the same time we needed help with this guy who had been paralyzed from this accident. The same time. It was a really an amazing miracle. There were no other physical therapists in our town. But I needed to take him to the hospital every time he had an appointment for the physical therapist to see him. And every time that would be three to four hours out of my work day. I worked in the office full time, and I just could not take that time off just to take this guy to the hospital. So I contacted PCC of this need, and they generously and immediately sent money to provide a taxi for this man to be picked up from his village and taken to this hospital every time he had an appointment. These are just two examples of how you helped others by helping me. Now today, my life is very different. Um, Now that I'm here in the States, it isn't as exciting or noteworthy. But you here at PCC still are making a great impact. My role now is to care for missionaries who are living overseas. I help them with all kinds of questions and challenges I remember their special days throughout the year, and I send periodically encouraging emails just to say you're not alone. PCC continues to give to me, but that's not all. 
they, the Mission and Outreach Committee, has a budget, and they give to the local missions here, and they continue to give to help people overseas. They feed the hungry, they help the downcast, and they give when there are an emergency. There are emergencies in the world. I praise God for you, for all that He has done and continues to do through PCC and your giving. Thank you. Thank you, Marcia. Man, right? Everybody wants to be a part of something bigger. That's what I think. Everybody wants to be a part of something bigger. And that's what actually Stewardship Sunday is more about than anything else. It's about putting on the table what you're willing to invest in this local outpost to see what God can do through little old us. And thank you. Right? They, they, it always means more. You remember that there's a classic story of there's a guy, lay, there's three guys laying bricks, and you ask the one, What are you up to? He says, I'm just laying bricks. You ask the second one, I'm laying bricks for a, a beautiful work of art called a wall. And then you ask the third person, I'm laying bricks for what is going to be the house of God where people gather to worship the triune God of the scriptures. And it's going to be a beautiful cathedral. Which one of those three is going to work faster, you think? Third one, right? Uh, everybody's like, I, I wasn't expecting a quiz. <laughs> this is too late in the service for a quiz. That's, the, that's what Marcia just shared. You give an offering, you give these tithes, you not only impact our new vision, but you also impact people across the globe. This morning's tithes and offerings are now received. For those of you listening on the podcast, uh, please send your, your gifts to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628.
seated. When Jesus' time with his disciples was drawing to an end, his ministry on earth was coming to a close. He said, I have told you these things so that in me, in him, we may have peace. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. With his peace in our hearts, let us pray for a world in desperate need of our Savior. Please pray with me. Holy and merciful God, we thank you for this day that you make new every morning. For all the things that we left undone, you give us time to tend to them. For all of the things that we ought not to have done, you mercifully give us a new day and a fresh start. Be with each one of us as we endeavor to grow closer and closer to you and to do your work in this world. Thank you, God, that we are a church that worships Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that we are a church that is living out your love. Help us to live out your love loudly. Thank you, God, that you are using us to transform the community around us through your Holy Spirit. In that way, Lord, we pray for the world near and far away. We continue to pray for an end to the war in Ukraine. Your peace, Jesus. We pray for your protection for the Ukrainian people, and we pray that you will thwart Russia from using any nuclear options. In that same way, Father, we pray for your protection for North Korea's neighbors, and pray, too, that you would thwart North Korea from further ballistic missile testing. Lord Jesus, our heart breaks for all the families affected by the recent mass shooting in the daycare center in Thailand. Be with each one and comfort them as only you can do. We pray for this one surviving toddler, Ami, that escaped execution that day. May your loving hand be on her always and not let this tragedy define her life. Father God, we continue praying for the people in Puerto Rico affected by Hurricane Fiona and the people in Florida affected by Hurricane Ian. Provide for their needs and hasten relief efforts, we pray. Show us how we can be a part of your work in these devastated places. Lord, closer to home, we pray for the upcoming elections. Each one of us are being bombarded daily by mail and calls regarding the election. Give us your wisdom to choose godly leaders and to make wise choices on the ballot measures. Gracious God, we pray for those right here in our midst, those who need a fresh touch from your Holy Spirit today. For those who are tired, Lord, give us strength. For those who are lonely, 
Provide companionship, Lord, we pray. For those who are grieving, we pray for your divine comfort. For those who are struggling to make ends meet, we pray for your provision and abundance. For those who are struggling with addiction or depression, we bind the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ and pray for your freedom for those in bondage. For those who are ill, battling COVID, waiting for surgery, going through treatments, looking for a diagnosis, we pray for a healing touch from your Holy Spirit. Specifically, we lift up to you Kay, Helen, Patty, Ruth, Charlotte, Buzz, Keith, Dan, and those we name quietly in our heart. Lord, for those who grieve, we pray for your merciful comfort. For the family of longtime member Dorothy Shrupp, as they grieve her passing. For Sandy Corbett and her family, and for Doreen Araki and her family. Lord, be their refuge and their strength, a very present help in trouble. We continue worshiping you by praying the prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand and let's join in our final hymn, Holy God, We Praise Thy Name.
want to thank everybody just for joining us for worship today. I don't think I say it enough. I'm glad you're here. And I praise God for you, and I love you as your pastor and as your friend, as your fellow co-heir with Christ. Let's stick around and hang out in the fellowship hall. I think there's muffins back there. But for now, let's receive this benediction. May God's face shine upon you. May the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit guard and keep you. And may the peace of Christ, which passes all earthly understanding, guard your hearts and your minds today, tomorrow, and forevermore. May it be so. Amen.